Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast about all the things with the social work slant. I am your host, Hallie Harris, and I'm a hospice social worker. Today, I have a special guest with me, and we are going to talk about death cafes. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Karuna Duval, and I also work in hospice as a chaplain. And I have been facilitating death cafes since about 2012. I started uh, facilitating them in California, where I was introduced to them. And when I moved up here to Washington, I wanted to offer to the community, so I've been doing that. Wonderful, thanks. So I think first we'll start out with a definition, and then I want to come back to what got you involved in death cafes in the first place. Um, So I was looking up, there's a website that everyone can go to called deathcafe.com, and it's pretty straightforward, I think. It looks like it was developed by a man named John Underwood and a lady named Sue Barcy reed and these were based on the ideas of Bernard Kratatz? Kratatz, I think that's right. And unfortunately, John Underwood actually passed away pretty suddenly. Um, It sounds like he had acute leukemia. I'm not going to try to pronounce that specific leukemia. Um, But it's just interesting that he was so uh, intent on making sure that everyone was able to understand this and become familiar with positive death, you know, communication that he he was the one that died suddenly. So, yeah. So, yeah. And and on the website, it says uh, just a quick, simple little definition of eat cake, drink tea and discuss death. Yep. So I guess now would be a a good time to ask you to kind of maybe give us a little bit of background of what got you started into that and how you see death cafes. Well, in uh, 2011, I actually had a year of lots of loss. Uh, January, my grandmother died. July, my partner died. And in November, my father died. Oh my goodness. So when... 2012 came around, I was really glad that 2011 was done. Yeah. And then I discovered Death Cafe. I honestly can't remember. I think I just saw a flyer at one of the cafes that Mm -hmm. I would go to. Mm -hmm. And I thought, huh, this is interesting. And so I went. And basically, it it was just this really amazing experience where we were, um, it was a bigger group, but then we divided into smaller groups and we were actually at a cafe. Mm -hmm. And we just talked about our experiences about death. Nothing, there's no agenda, there is no, you know, any particular perspective. It's just, we started out with, so why are you here? And, <laughs> you know, that just kind of leads into whatever the discussions are. Yeah, and I read that it doesn't have to be a cafe necessarily, but it sounds like that's a pretty good place for people, a common safe space for people to go to. Yeah. That also can provide refreshments and whatnot. Yeah, it is. And I've facilitated in cafes in California, but up here I've facilitated at the library, the local library, and at a funeral home. Oh, interesting. There's a local funeral home that actually is doing them monthly, and they wanted me to come down and facilitate the first couple to kind of train one of their staff (laughs) on how to facilitate these, and then they're doing them monthly there. And then down at a local Unity Church is where I've uh, also been doing the death cafes. Great, great. And that, you know, that kind of brings up the other part of the website that talks about this being a social franchise. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could speak a little bit to that. It's, yes, it's a whole, the whole organization is volunteer, so there's no paid staff. 
And it really mm -hmm. is just a, it's kind of a social gathering. There's no perspective that is um, promoted. There's no agenda that's promoted. There's no product that's promoted or service. I found that it was like all religions, all yes. backgrounds, all creeds. Yes. Anybody and everybody who wants to come can come. The thing that is really important to know, though, is that it's not a grief support group. That is important to know. Yeah, it's not um, It's not to process grief. There are lots of wonderful uh, resources for that. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a place to just talk about death, whatever that looks like. And even if I've facilitated a bunch of these, and even if the same people come, it's different each time. Because the energy is different, what comes up is different. Mm -hmm. um, I give just a general introduction, kind of like you did, about the history and all of that stuff. And mm -hmm. some ground rules about confidentiality and respect and that kind of thing. Um, and then I end up showing a little video. I don't know if you got a chance to see the videos on this I site. did. <coughs> Excuse me. But I did the, see those. But there are a number of videos that just people, just regular people who do these, have posted up there so that folks get an idea. So I will pick a video for folks to watch and kind of get an idea, and then it ends up, I use that usually as kind of like a starter of, you know, why are you here, what would you think of the video, what did it bring up for you, and then it just kind of goes from there. Yeah? Yeah. And it sounds like it's been a pretty positive experience. Throughout. Have you ever had a, a bad time or bad experience with the one you posted? I've never had a bad experience. At the end, I do, uh, um, they, they recommend on the site evaluation. So I mm -hmm. hand out evaluation. It's n nothing except for me to get information about how it was for people and if there's a way that we could do something better. Mm -hmm. And everything has been positive. You know, the comments have been like, oh, well, why don't you bring more healthy food? Like, you know, <laughs> but nothing about the experience itself. Lots of, gosh, this has been a great experience. I really felt comfortable being able to finally talk about this stuff, I realized that we all are, you know, we all have some very similar thoughts and feelings, and it's nice to finally talk about this. Mm -hmm. and have that safe space. Yeah, it's a very safe space. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. I was reading on the website that there have been 7,242 death cafes. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. That, that much. I mean, it was... A lot less when I started, so that's cool. <laughs> and I wonder if that's even, you know, do they do they count? It sounds like they want you to kind of, I don't know, register through the website, so that's how they keep track, but I wonder how many more have just organically happened that weren't necessarily official death cafes. Yeah, that's my thinking, too. They do, you know, the deathcafe.com website does um, encourage facilitators to post their their death cafe groups so that folks who are looking for them can just go to the site, put in their zip code, and then find the local death cafes. Mm -hmm. But my guess is not everybody does that. So, uh, uh, there's yeah, there's probably more, and that's that's way cool. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Cool. Yeah. It said that it was done in 61 countries. Yeah. Surprise oh, you? wow. Wow, yeah, like I said, <laughs> when I started, it was much lower than that. So, even just in the short amount of time, it's really expanded. Yeah. How many do you think you've done? Do you have you kept track? Oh, I've probably done about 20. Mm -hmm. I mean, not a whole lot, but, you know, about 20. And whenever I talk to somebody about it, they're still like, what is that? <laughs> death Cafe? No, no, no. Death Cafe. Yeah. Death Cafe. And yeah. I've heard of them before, but I haven't attended one. So clearly I'm going to have to go to one of yours. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope to be, um, I know I will be doing more in the, in the new year up 
up in uh, in the county where I work and then down in the county where I live I'll be expanding and doing some more because people just say when are you doing your next ones yeah and if someone wanted to know more about that you could just go like you said to the website yep and put in your zip code and find your local death cafe find your local death cafe or put in your country or wherever you happen to live if you're not in the states you know it's a it is an international like you said many mm -hmm. many countries so just put in where you are and, and it'll pop up a little map where you're is that something you up. need to RSVP to you know, you don't necessarily have to. Sometimes it's it's helpful to contact the facilitator just so they know how much cake to bring. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it's not it's not necessary, and it's open to everybody. Open to any religion, any tradition, any ethnicity, any person that wants to come mm -hmm. and talk about death. Yeah, and and just you know, as part of this podcast as well, it sounds like the death cafes are really focused not on actual death but on the living whereas it's making each moment count and being present and really not taking things for granted things moments relationships and health um, just really focusing on what is going on for you now rather than maybe what religion might focus on which is the after mm -hmm. is that accurate that yeah right? that's accurate because when we can break that taboo of talking about death then we can focus more on our life. Mm -hmm. We can focus more on what it means to be in this side of, you know, the, the experience. And to be able to talk about our fears or even our experiences with death of loved ones or anything, it, it breaks that taboo and we're able to really then let it go for a while and focus on what it means to live today. There was just an article that I read um, on the Kaiser Health News website that kind of spoke to this. She didn't necessarily address Death Cafe specifically, but it's, um, it was an article that was posted uh, on the 8th a couple days ago called At Death's Door, Shedding Light on How to Live by Judith Graham. And she just tells the story of this woman named Ronnie Bennett, who's a, a popular writer about aging. She writes a blog about aging and how Ronnie actually discovered that she had cancer that had metastasized and and her whole experience of talking about her experience of facing death and how it's really impacted her living. Hmm. And she, uh, you know, she talked about things like no more extended exercise routines every morning. <laughs> uh, no watching my diet. No worrying about my memory lapses. No pretending that the cliche we are all terminal is especially insightful. So ah. I thought that was really good. You know, it, it's a real abstraction to say that, but when you're actually facing that like she is, it really colors everything differently. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that, you know, this, like I said, this kind of really spoke to that too, is when we can talk about death even if we're not facing it ourselves yeah. it really does make our life better yeah it's really been incredible to me throughout my life to have the different experiences where you know like myself having experienced death pretty early on and frequently mm -hmm. and it sounds like you've had a similar experience to that and then I've also had people in my family my step family and other people in my life where they haven't lost anyone until mm -hmm. they've been you know anyone really close to them, immediate family member, so forth, um, up until their 40s or 50s, and it's much harder to deal with 
because our culture in America is just not a fan of talking about death and dying and you know the one common thing that unites us all hello <laughs> so yeah I think these death cafes are a great movement I love it yeah yeah and like you I've experienced a lot of death in my life even before 2011 mm -hmm. I knew I lost a husband in 1990 mm -hmm. and I, that was the first experience where I was actually with someone who died mm. at the moment they died mm -hmm. and at that moment I knew that my life was going to be completely different having had that experience I didn't know how mm -hmm. but that was also what propelled me into not being afraid of death mm -hmm. and exploring death and then working as a hospice chaplain very early on and mm -hmm. working with elders and that part, that end of the spectrum of life. Yeah. is so rich, so. Do you think that loss has influenced your work in hospice or your, like you were talking about getting into the death cafes, but you've just seen a flyer. Do you think that's influenced you staying in it and continuing to facilitate these death cafes and working in hospice? Absolutely, absolutely. Because when I first worked in hospice in 2005, um, as a chaplain, I had some amazing experiences with people at the end of their life and their families. Mm -hmm. And it confirmed for me the importance of facing that, not just facing it, but being open to the experience and talking about it, not mm -hmm. letting it be this mysterious thing that we only experience, you know, at the end of our life and we don't have to deal with it until then. I mean, it's... Right. A lot of people, a lot of people do that, and that's what they choose to do, and that's fine. And I found that, at least for myself, being able to talk about it with my family, with my friends, with other people, has really um, been a blessing because it does allow me to see my life differently. When my when my father died, um, it was very interesting because he died in November. He died a couple days before Thanksgiving. Oh. And, and we're coming up to Thanksgiving. We're coming up to it. Mm. Um, and so in September, um, I was in California and he was in Chicago. And <coughs> my brother said, you need to come this time because my dad had lung cancer. And, I, you know, we knew that it wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to survive it. So we went out in September. I brought my funeral dress and the whole thing. <laughs> and he rallied. Ah. But what he did, because we were able to talk about it what he did when we were there he wrote out everything okay this is what I want these are where all the papers are I want this kind of a mass we're gonna have the luncheon at this place <laughs> and we even have this menu I mean he he did it all for us yeah. so that when it happened in November we I mean it was like one day and we had everything taken care of. And it was then, almost his last gift to you. Exactly. And yeah. that's exactly what I think is really important about talking about this and, you know, getting your advanced directives and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a real gift to the people that um, will be dealing with what's left after you're gone. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to just expand on that a little bit, I've, I've found that families I've been helping in, in, in their final days it really does change the experience for them if they're fighting it and haven't been able to have those conversations at all. Which, again, like you said, it's fine. It's their choice. But I definitely have found it's 
much more peaceful process for both, for the person dying and the people taking care of them, mm -hmm. if they have been able to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. And so things like Deaf Cafes can help people do that. Um, the Five Wishes book yes. can help people do that. The um, hospices in the local area will have death conversations as well mm -hmm. and just explain how do you even start to have those hard conversations that mm -hmm. some people just aren't willing to have because if you don't talk about it, it's not going to happen, right? Right, right. <laughs> Somehow they found the fountain of youth. I haven't <laughs> found it yet. <laughs> well, you know, they find it. <laughs> I did hear there's some magic water down in Linwood, so okay. I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> so uh, I just want to talk real quickly about Death Cafe and media coverage. They did have some things listed on the website. Um, for example, an article by NPR called Death Cafe Breathes Life into Conversations About Dying. Mm -hmm. You know, they always have to have those fun, catchy titles, but I think that's pretty accurate. The Death Cafe Movement, Tea and Mortality, and that was through The Independent. And then Death Be Not Caffeinated, Over Cup Groups Face Taboo, and that was actually on the New York Times front page. Mm. Which is nice because then mainstream media is also getting people aware of these death cafes so that they can actually know about them. I mean, like you said, you just found out about it from a flyer. And I know I've heard about them before, but it may have been just from my contact with hospice. So, you know, how does the public find out about this? And, you know, we're talking about it now. So now it'll be a podcast. Yeah. And you were telling me uh, about the Seattle Magazine. They're going to be doing an entire issue, you said? about the positive death movement. So maybe you can tell me a little bit about that. Yes, I was contacted by um, a writer there a couple of months ago, and she told me that their January issue, which I believe is coming out sometime in December, the whole issue is going to be on the positive death movement. And the... Oh, this is 2018, in case you're listening to this in the future. Yes. Um, <laughs> so January 2019... Um, Seattle Magazine, the whole issue will be about the positive death movement. One article will be about Death Cafe. Okay. And they interviewed me, took pictures and everything. So um, they <laughs> Don't will... Don't be dismissive. <laughs> You've been doing great work in the community. You should be honored for that. Oh, thank you. Um, and I, I was just really thrilled because they, they found me from deathcafe.com. Mm. So she, Wonderful. she was able to just contact me and say, hey, can I come to one of these things? So she came, she got the experience, then we did a little bit of an interview and questions and stuff. So um, I'm really curious to see what other articles are going to be in there about the death positive movement um, because I think it is growing for a variety of reasons, not just Death Cafe, but I think as we age, and I'm sure you've experienced this in hospice too, as we age and as more people know about hospice, more people know about hospice, <laughs> right? And more people get into hospice. So, like, and now we're into the baby boomer generation getting into hospice. Exactly. So, for us, our experience, I had a grandmother on hospice. Mm -hmm. I had a father on hospice. So, when I come to that point, I want to be on hospice. Right. So it just expands, and I think that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. That was my uh, first full-length episode was about hospice because. Not only is it, of course, dear to my heart, yeah. and I'm a little biased, obviously, but because of my own personal experiences and because I know how helpful it's been to so many of our families, uh, we're not going to be able to stop death, but we can certainly make it more comfortable for, for people in our families. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, any, any final thoughts on Death Cafe? Just, like I said, go to the website, find one near you, 
just experience one. I mean, when you've experienced one, you've just experienced one because they're all different. But if you can get to one and just start to start to break through that fear and break through the taboo of talking about it, because really, talking about death will not kill you. <laughs> it really That's won't. fabulous. I love that. <laughs> and, you know, if there's not one near you, you know, maybe try to get to one fairly close, and then you start facilitating if you're open to that. Yes, and the deathcafe.com website actually has a whole uh, section on how, uh, how to facilitate. They have uh, a really well-done kind of guidebook, mm -hmm. although it's just a few pages, on how to facilitate, how to get it known, what kinds of things to watch out for. So it's not, you don't have to be a really skilled facilitator to do one of these. Just take a look at the deathcafe.com website and look at those guidelines and they're very, very good. And you can, you can do it yourself if you, there's not one in your area and you can start them in your home too. People have done that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not like you have to be a social worker or a psychiatrist or a chaplain to do these things. No, this is just, you're not, you're not professing, you're not teaching. This is just an open conversation about death. Mm -hmm. So it's good to know that it's not something where you have to be a professional to be able to facilitate. Nope. Yeah. Great. Well, Karuna, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing with us about Death Cafe. Thanks, Hallie. And if you have any questions or comments, uh, of course, look up deathcafe.com, but feel free to email me at contact at willallbedeadpodcast.com. You can go to Facebook and find us at Someday We'll All Be Dead. And check out the website, willallbedeadpodcast.com. And remember, after talking about death cafes, maybe think about what you can do in your life to be a little more present and really cherish those moments that we have because we never know, just like John Underwood and his sudden death. Someday we'll all be dead. <laughs>